Hi there. Welcome to Straight A's Podcast. Today we're sitting with Patrick Sherman, who is an assistant professor of the practice of educational leadership and public policy at Peabody College Vanderbilt University. Patrick has authored numerous articles, commissioned reports, and books on leadership, successful school leadership, planning politics, performance, and power is the anchor text in the Peabody Instructional Series, Leading Schools to Success. Patrick served as the founding co-editor of the Oxford Encyclopedia of Education Online in 2014, which won an Emmy for Best Educational Piece for his documentary, A Matter of Principle. Patrick created and directs the new Masters in Independent School Leadership Program at Peabody College which is an innovative program that draws on experts across the higher education and independent school community in Tennessee and beyond. We could go on and on about Patrick's accomplishments, but for now, it's time to dive into a Straight A's podcast. I'm Art Hall. I'm Andre Withers. And with us, Patrick, welcome Mr. to the pod. Dr. Patrick Sherman. Hey. Welcome to the pod, Patrick. Thanks, guys. This is a comfy pod. Absolutely. <laughs> we believe in being a pithy place, uh, uh, no. <laughs> so we are actually really excited to to, to have you on with us. Um, and for the listeners, you know, I think it's I think it's good for them to know um, and or remind them that you know we spend in and around the entire ecosystem of independent schools, um, and typically this podcast would be highlighting stuff that happens inside the four walls of of an independent school, but. You know, as we continue to highlight teaching and learning, it makes all the more sense for us to have you on the podcast today, Patrick, because we're going to be talking about teaching and learning from a different perspective, and that perspective is who's teaching the teachers and who's teaching the leaders. Um, And so I know Art gave a great introduction, a little bit about your bio, but you know what? We want to know your story, too. So before we get into, like, really unpacking some content around um, either your program and or how you have uh, observed teacher leadership um, and school leadership over the past X number of years, we want to hear your story. So tell us a little bit about who Patrick is, your background from being a public school product or an independent school product. Where'd you grow up? What do you remember about coming of age? Give us your story. All right. Well, I started off um, in, a, uh, in a Catholic school. Um, as, as, uh, you know, my mom was a, a second grade teacher there. My dad was an entrepreneur, small business owner. Um, but come along second grade, um, you know, I always like to sit in the back of the classroom just to kind of keep an eye on things. Um, in, in, in the front row, my, my girlfriend was sitting there with her beautiful, uh, brown pigtails and, uh, <laughs> Tommy was behind her and, and was, was tying them in a knot and, and it was uncomfortable for her. And she kind of squealed a little. And so I had this big purple crayon. I was coloring, and I looked down at the crayon, I looked at Tommy, and I was like, I got him. So I whipped that crayon <laughs> at Tommy. Well, unfortunately, I overshot Tommy, and just then, Sister Mag walked in the room. Oh! Yeah, yeah. Knocked oh, off her habit. Sister. And uh, if you haven't experienced the fury of a bald nun, um, you, you haven't. Oh, yet. wow. <laughs> so, so my educational journey took a turn. Uh, the, the next day, yeah, I, I did. Yep, I was out in a, a small uh, country Lutheran uh, school uh, and, and stayed there through uh, eighth grade. Graduated with about oh, 12 people in my class. Wonderful experience. Wow. And then uh, hopped into a, a freshman class at the local public school of about 800 and was okay. just inundated. Okay. I didn't know that there was that many people my age in the whole world. Um, sure. But found wow. my way through uh, a public high school. Um, and then ended up uh, at, at uh, Furman University, small kind of liberal arts um, college oh, yeah. where, where the, the professors are there purely to teach. And you go to class every single day. Uh, it was a pretty intensive experience. I went through um, and at the end of it um, was deciding what to do next, um, whether it was going to be grad school in science um, or med school. Uh, and decided to take what I thought was a year off. Uh, and got hired uh, at, at uh, Christ Church Episcopal School in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. Hadn't had a single education class, like possibly like many independent school teachers. I just knew my content well, uh, and they felt like I would be a good fit for the school community. 
was going to be teaching uh, AP and IB, biology and chemistry, uh, until two days before school started. The, the teacher that I was going to replace for the year, who was going to be off on maternity leave, uh, you know, when it came around mid-August, decided that she just had to come back to school. Um, and they didn't want to leave me without a job, so they wheeled a portable up onto campus and said, you know what, you're going to teach fifth grade science. Um, and, and we don't have a book. We don't have any materials, but um, we, we, we trust you. You know your stuff. Good luck. You know? And, right, yeah. and, and uh, it, it was we just... We got a hearty handshake for you. And... <laughs> you know, we'll see in April, and we'll, we'll just see how this goes, right? Um, but that's when I really experienced the, the community uh, and the strength uh, that resides uh, across faculties of independent schools. And I was on a team of fifth-grade teachers who decided that they were going to help this, this young kind of, um, you know, young, young fella who, who didn't have a single uh, class on how to teach uh, become a, an effective teacher. And each one of them uh, shared with me their, their perspectives, their techniques, their, their best resources and tools, and I just had the best year ever, so much that it turned into six years there at Christ wow. Church School, and it changed the trajectory of my life forever. So I was uh, never envisioned be, being a teacher uh, uh, in an in independent school, but fell in love with it. And as you know, you get to teach and coach and run this program and start this initiative. Right. And it was just wonderful to be a part of a community where there was such energy and such trust and such opportunity. Um, and after, after six years there, I, I probably still would be at Christ Church today if my three younger sisters didn't kind of team up on me and say, we want you to come back home to uh, Orlando, Florida. So I moved back home and I was at right. um, Lake Highland Prep School and uh, taught uh, there in their uh, lower school. Um, had a wonderful year, but the last day of, of school, the, the board chair came in and said, Patrick, my, my son uh, has loved having you as his homeroom teacher. You've done a phenomenal job here, but want to ask you to leave the school. I was like, what? Oh. Um, and I said, I thought you just said it was great and everything was fine. Yeah, yeah, so much so that we want you and several other families want you to be our private traveling tutor um, so that when our sons and daughters miss days here and there, you can just make sure they keep up with all their schoolwork. And so I got to travel around with several uh, PGA families um, on these wonderful trips and did homework in airplanes and resorts and you know, just all over the place. So third through 11th graders um, and just uh, just around around the globe as part of this kind of wonderful world uh, of professional sports. Um, but at the end of that year, I thought, you know what? Need to get back more to the real world, something that, you know, where, where you know, I feel like, um, you know, I'm, I'm not uh, not just kind of a, a part of uh, something that's, that's beyond me. And I said, you know, if I go back and I, I go to grad school and finish this thing off, then maybe I could come back and, and together as a set of, of families and with the, the, the structures that they have in place and the, the foundations that maybe we could start a school together. It would kind of be this hybrid model and, and, and provide it for students who otherwise couldn't afford something like this personalized education. And so that was my intent coming to Vanderbilt to just kind of crank out the okay. doctoral program and get back and start a school. Um, Right, but right. Um, but I'm stuck here still uh, at, at Vanderbilt. <laughs> you know, 12 years later, um, and have done you know some. It's some, not a bad place to know, be stuck, Patrick. You know, <laughs> it's not all bad. It's not all bad. Um, so that's a little bit about my uh, my path and, and how I ended up here. Yeah. And these last six years, I've been so fortunate to do work that really is a bridge back to, you know, what I see is is my. Um, kind of my sweet spot, independent yeah. schools, and being able to now work with um, teachers and leaders, kind of current and aspiring leaders, and really helping mm, to right. shape up, right, uh, cohorts in the next generation of folks who are going to steer our amazing, diverse, um, independent schools across the country and world. Here's yeah. one of the things I noticed. Um, I think if I, if I caught this right, you said your mother was a teacher and your father was an entrepreneur. Yes. And so it's, it sounds as if your path really has blended those two things, right? That you had this vision of wanting to start something new, and you had these really solid teacher chops and teacher experiences. Um, and so you took, what, you took one and folded it into another. 
Absolutely. I always, you give your parents credit for that? Oh my gosh. Yeah, my parents uh, have <laughs> been and still are my, my first and, and best teachers. You know, when, when, yeah. when students or when folks in the community, um, you know, seek to be, you know, complimentary or affirming of, of, of accomplishments, I always say, well, you know, I've really got to blame my mom and dad for that, right? Uh, it's really uh, because of them. And it's just, I think we all do that, right? We, we take from our mm-hmm. past kind of the best of what we've been given. And then we, we try in a little way to make it our own. But when we look back, we see, ah, yeah, this is my mom here. This is my dad here. And it's just, you know, my, yeah. my gift to be able to kind of, kind of put the two together um, and then just see where it goes. Yeah. You know, awesome. what I, and, and similar to, to Dre's statement, what I've noticed, uh, especially in the independent school world, you have, um, you know, strong leaders and, and, and strong thinkers who, have a way of shifting the culture successfully. Many of those folks have teachers in their background. Mm-hmm. Um, either an aunt was a teacher, or you know, um, uh, a, a parent was a teacher. Right. And I noticed that you know, similar to what Jay said, you 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 said your mother taught second grade. Did that? Did you ever feel that having? I know you just said they were your best teachers, but did you did you ever feel like that was an advantage? To you as somebody who was learning the business of school and applying that knowledge to your success? Oh, absolutely. Right. Um, and, you know, I feel as though that in, in some ways the, the independent school community has a similar advantage in, in the sense that it, it's a purposefully chosen um, set of individuals. And so these parents, whether they've chosen a career like my mom did in education or they've just mm-hmm. chosen the school because they value education that much i think the entire community benefits from that dedicated focused effort of people who are either learning the craft or just have such respect for it that they want their sons and daughters uh, and, and as colleagues want to be surrounded by people of a like mind patrick let's let's talk a little bit about the the work that you're doing with Vanderbilt in this quest to really shape the next generation of leaders, of school leaders, of teacher leaders. Um, I'd I'd love for you to not only give sort of the highlights of the program, um, but I'd love for you to muse a little bit as well about what does independent school leadership really mean today, right? Because I think that there's the, the... the old notion of the the school headmaster, right? right? There's the public school notion of the principal. Um, but I'm sort of of the belief that leadership in independent school has really evolved. Not on my not on my teaching in general, but what it means to be a school leader a leader today is not what it was five years ago. So tell us a little bit about the program, um, and then connect that with your musings about what 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 independent school leadership and our school leadership is today. Right. Super. Um, you know, we're, we're, we, we spend so much time thinking about setting up optimal learning environments for our students in independent schools, um, but often we don't take as much care and attention to thinking about the ongoing development of teachers and leaders. And, and there are so many wonderful programs across the country where teachers and, and leaders can get ongoing development, but relatively few that have really focused in on the nuance of the independent school world. And so what we've done here at, at Vanderbilt is we've looked at all of the research around effective teaching and learning and effective professional development, and we've then tried to backward map all of those elements into our program. Um, for example, so, some of those elements are things like um, encouraging reflection on beliefs and practices. Okay, that's actually the element of professional development that has the greatest impact on improved outcomes. And we wouldn't necessarily think that. In some ways, it's counterintuitive. But what we do is we are really purposeful about building in opportunities for students to reflect on their beliefs and practices. We start off every morning with 30 minutes of reflection around a student-generated quote or idea. Um, and from there, um, what we do is we, we try to build in um, 
into the cohort opportunities for learning from each other. Um, it's interesting. If you watch the video on our website, um, the, the, the members of the program have just so much to say about the impact of the experience. And a lot of that has to do with their classmates, their colleagues, their cohort. And, and we've, so we purposely put together groups of uh, about 20. And on purpose, we bring together individuals who are heads of schools, division heads, department chairs, perhaps work in admissions or communications, marketing or finance. Mm -hmm. We bring in folks who mm -hmm. are still classroom-based, right? We want to have the most diverse set of individuals to bring into kind of the family, into that academic community, and from the most set of diverse schools we can get. Folks who are at right. all-boys and all-girls schools, co-ed schools, um, day schools, boarding schools, church schools, non-sectarian schools, really young schools and ones who have been around you know, since the country started, right? And so because of that and the geographic dispersion, we get this amazing mix of different ideas. And, and this goes back to your point uh, about kind of musings about leadership. I think in the past, there was this kind of the metaphor would be kind of like the Lone Ranger, kind of the problem solver, right? Whereas today we see effective leaders being much more like pit crew chiefs, right? And, and, and yeah. able to kind yeah. of... Hold these. That's a, that's a great. You know? that's, I'm gonna, Patrick. I'm gonna yeah. use. I'm saying this right now on the podcast. I am gonna use that. There we pit go. Crew chief. I like that. That's right. Pit crew that chiefs, um, yeah. who who then are able to kind of hold these personalities and these tensions kind of in balance. Right. It's not for them to to necessarily be the expert. Right. The Lone Ranger, the one kind of out in front, but really valuing the contributions that every member of the leadership team and faculty make and, and the, the students and, and the parent base make to kind of continuing to keep the school focused on its mission and going forward. And so we just try to really through the incorporation of, of specific topics and programmatic elements and weaving in uh, expert practitioners into the classroom with these university-based professors really help prepare students for kind of that emerging reality of independent school leadership. Right, right. So then, Patrick, what I think what I'm hearing you say is, um, like like you, the example you used, like a, 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 a crew chief or a pit, pit boss, um, and I know I butchered that right there, I'm sorry, but <laughs> you're the, the, the leader for the next part of this, I guess, century for independent schools will be the person who can look more at personalities and, and understand that, okay, this person needs this kind of kid glove, this person needs this kind of kid glove, but ultimately I'm going to get the same goals out of them that I would if I was a master teacher in this domain that I'm, that I'm um, flowing through. Absolutely. Yeah, I, th I believe, yeah, those same principles around you know, what we might call of, of emotional intelligence. I think those sort of, those skills and dispositions and understanding that kind of leadership styles are really kind of purposeful combinations of emotional intelligence mm -hmm. elements that can be applied in a specific context for a specific purpose to really reach a certain student or teacher or really help to uh, shape a specific facet of the school culture. So, Patrick, let me let me throw something at you. Um, I, I had a similar conversation with some of my uh, faculty a few years back, um, and one of the one of the sort of planks I got myself out there on was um, I said, "No longer can we be a school where teaching." is simply you, your space, your kids, and your content. That the teacher and or teacher leader of today um, is going to need to be well-versed in their content for sure. But they also have to really, really, really know kids. Um, and they also have to recognize that in this independent school enterprise, um, your role extends beyond the four walls of that classroom. Mm -hmm. um, so 
I'm mindful of what you're saying about the emotional intelligence piece of, of, of that leaders need and so on, but I'm also uh, thinking about the reaction that I got from the teachers who are who pressed me a little bit to say, well, wait, I didn't I didn't train for that, right? That's not that's not what I signed right. up for, or right. um, you know, um, that's certainly not the teaching world that I'm familiar with. So, say more about the, that evolutionary piece of leadership and/or that evolutionary piece of what it means to be a teacher, because we do need to have teachers who uh, have the emotional intelligence as well as the uh, as the, the clear skill set to you know, differentiate and to scaffold and to so on and so forth, right? Um, but that is, it feels like that's something more specific to our independent school world, which I'm glad about, mm. but it's also getting, eliciting a reaction from teachers to say, whoa, that feels like a lot. Right, right. Are you hearing yeah. the same? Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. Well, you yeah. know, I think in in... In many ways, I think the art of teaching is the art of assisting self-discovery in students. Um, and the way we access knowledge today is so different than the way we did five years ago and 10 years ago and 15 years ago, right? The world is really, I think every, every generation feels like, oh, it, it's moving faster than it ever has. Um, right, right. Right. And the, the world and industry and technology runs so fast, um, and it's be, it's becoming exponential that the reality of what it means to help assist in student self discovery is really rapidly changing, and it does feel like a lot. And I think it's catching a lot of teachers, a lot of leaders, a lot of university instructors right in that space of, ooh, okay, we need to continue to be willing yeah. to self discover ourselves and if we want to really be teachers and leaders and, and mentors and guides um, then we're going to need to um, in a sense be willing to keep up with the times and let some things go um, that we're comfortable with um, and really by um, our own willingness to, to change and grow and be vulnerable right we can then become real really more powerful teachers than if we, um, in a sense, dig in our heels, aren't willing to kind of walk out on the planks, aren't willing to innovate and grow ourselves. Um, we, we could be, in a sense, then the ones left behind because the pace at which the world is changing isn't going to slow, right? And so right. A, as, a, as a profession, right, we need to be looking out at where, where not only the ball is today, but where it's going to be, you know, uh, in a couple of years so that like as effective coaches, we're, we're not just sending our kids chasing the ball, but like meet it where it's going to be. Right. And so, but that's, that's, right. that's difficult. And that's where I believe yeah. the, the, for leaders, really the, the kind of that awareness of kind of these emotional intelligence domains are going to become, I think, increasingly critical because of the change that, that needs to occur kind of at the teaching levels and understanding how to really move faculty there. Yeah, we, you know, at, we, um, at, at my home school, we just finished um, um, conducting what we call a community conversation in which um, you know, my job is K through 12 at my school, but I have a heavy hand in the upper school development program. And we had a community conversation and it was really, it was the first time, to your point, Patrick, where I could see how cryptically slow adults were moving <laughs> and how lightning fast the kids are moving. Yeah. You know, we, we brought up this conversation around gender, gender awareness and, mm. and yes. um, you know, how fluid gender is. And the kids are looking at us like, get a late pass. <laughs> I mean, we, you know, we've been talking about this for, this is, this is for our, this is for our generation to define. And, you know, you boomers and Gen Xers, you guys are cute. Sure. It was nice that you put this, this yeah. you know, discussion together, but, yeah. um, and they actually did give us some feedback, but I think, you know, what you're describing, Patrick, is, is the teacher of the future, is that, you know, and I agree with, with Dre, to have that conversation now with a teacher is almost breathtaking for them, because 
what I'm learning as I become more of a senior leader in this independent school world is teachers are great when they're in front of kids and they're swimming in their own domain in their own knowledge domain. They are great. But the moment you take them out and say, okay, now be human (laughs) and just talk to the kids. It's like, where's my script? Where's, where's, you know, what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to, it's like, no, these are the same kids that you had in geometry or these are the same kids that you had in American lit. Just, just talk to them. And it's, you know, it's, and, and, it, and it comes from a great place. It comes from a place of, of fear because maybe their personalities aren't in tune with that. And I have deep respect for it. But it's just, it's funny that these things aren't, um, they aren't, in, you know, just kind of inherent with media. teaching. Mm. Yeah. 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 And that's another area, I believe, where leaders can really model that vulnerability. I think every decision that a leader makes comes down to, am I going to act out of a perspective of fear in, in all the forms that that can take or out of a perspective of trust, right? And the more that they can act out of a perspective of trust and be vulnerable in doing that, they're really demonstrating courage for their students and for their faculty. Patrick, let me ask you this. Um, uh, you know, some of the jargon in the independent school world um, and or the, the educational world um, Essential question, right? What what do you think are some big and or essential questions that teachers of the future or even leaders of the future need to be asking themselves about themselves and need to be asking themselves about the industry? What do you think are sort of those, um, uh, that, that sort of T-chart type moment? That, that people are having with themselves. What do you think some of those big essential questions are around teaching, leading, and or teaching and leading in independent schools? Mm, mm, mm. You know, I think they are, um, because the world is so rapidly becoming interconnected and because uh, technology and social media um, draw us together so quickly um, around the world, um, I think some of the essential questions that I would, um, that, that we encourage, you know, kind of exploration in our program um, here at Vanderbilt, center around the, the realization that so much of what in the past we kind of judged each other by were things that we had no choice over. Right, we didn't choose to be born into a body that was um, male, female, or or fluid. We didn't choose to be a specific, you know, race or ethnicity with a specific religious background or with genetics that would predispose us to have more or less weight. And yet, these sort of characteristics are still such. You know, I think strong filters with how we see the world and how we essentially assess and judge um, the capacity and value of others, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. I think the essential questions that we need to really be getting at center around how we can move into and beyond our implicit biases, understand the way that we consciously and subconsciously see the world and interact with everyone and how we can now move into a space where we're going to engage with people not around these characteristics that they did not choose but around their ideas around their skills dispositions that they are choosing right and how can we engage in healthy dialogue around these issues and value multiple perspectives and opinions and really see that that a tapestry and a mosaic is a thing of beauty and understand the way that difference uh, in, in color and in texture and nuance really are what uh, make the world an exciting and engaging place to be. So in, um, instead of you know, being focused on perhaps the, the content in the pieces, understanding how they can uh, inform uh, a much a bigger issue, how we can apply these to the kind of the, the solving of 
uh, these global challenges. One of the one of the questions that I've been encouraging folks um, who are considering this independent school leadership realm um, uh, has been around uh, how do you how do you find out what you think you know and mm-hmm. what you don't know about what it means to be an independent school leader because I think that one of the challenging aspects of it, especially for those of us who are coming coming from the teacher ranks, um, is that is that aha moment when you realize how far leadership has brought you away from the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, that that so much of our roles in the sort of you know middle and upper tier of the administrative leadership structure um, is really more about policy, is really more about finance, is really more about um, you know mitigating risk, and is about raising mm-hmm. money and right. so on and so right. forth. And 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 while all of those things are important to the well-being and 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 uh, you know fiduciary health of the school. Those are things that are not on the ground with kids. They're not necessarily on the ground with content development and curriculum development. They're not necessarily on the ground with, um, you know, culture building. Uh, And so I try to um, make sure that when, you know, folks that I'm either mentoring or um, having conversations with around, you know, do I really want to do this thing called being a department chair or uh, being an assistant head or head of school or upper school director, I try to remind them that, that the, the things that, that made you great in the classroom, we, you know, are things that are certainly going to make you great leaders as well. However, you're going to wake up one day and realize how far you, you've gotten pulled Mm. from, you know, either the joy of the cl- of the kid and or the, um, the the everyday practice of the classroom, and you've got to be okay with that. Um, and therefore, then to your point, the the work that you do around the tapestry of the school it just looks very very different. But you've got to figure out how to translate that into a different template or or, or bucket um, than every day with kids and every day um, in the classroom. Absolutely, yeah. you know and. You know, as we think about, the, you know, the folks going through our, our leadership uh, program, um, you know, each one of them is, is deciding, you know, kind of where, where the place is going to be that they're going to, you know, find that perfect balance to be a leader, right? And it's not necessarily as a head of a school. Um, you know, I think each person needs to find that optimal place where they have enough time kind of in the balcony, right, to get a sense mm-hmm. of the lay of the land and, and kind of taking care of those kind of responsibilities that are a little bit distant, um, as well as being on the dance floor, right? So you've got to be in the balcony and on the dance floor both, right? Leaders don't make, um, you, we really don't affect change from a distance. So we've got to still be on the dance floor. But in order to get a sense of perspective of kind of how the tapestry is kind of shaping up from a broader view, we, we do have to get on the balcony, right? And different leadership positions let us have more or less time on the balcony or dance floor and from different heights. And so I think it's fun for each person to think about, where's that optimal mix for me? Yeah, it, it, it seems like the, the senior leader, leadership position is just becoming less, less about kids um, and, and more about the business of the school. And, and I can mm. remember when I first got into independent schools, I certainly wasn't a senior leader at that time, but um, many of the senior leaders were either, you know, they taught, uh, they coached, they um, you know, had time to go observe the lower school if they weren't familiar with it, or, um, and now it just seems, you know, every, it's not for lack of trying. I mean, I, I've seen several senior leaders uh, you know, try to teach, try to, to, to be in the classroom more often. But then it turns into, well, I've got the meeting with this parent, and I've got this this crisis that I have to respond to, and mm-hmm. um, so you know, it it is a challenging landscape, and you want to you know, kind of weigh your soul mm-hmm. upon. I want to lead a school, but at the same time, I want to be deeply connected to the student experience, and 
Boy, that that running up the stairs to the balcony, and then running back downstairs to the dance floor, and running upstairs <laughs> to the dance floor. He's <laughs> <laughs> the dance floor to the balcony to the dance floor. <laughs> oh, I'll just play the you go home the at night and you're exhausted. That's right. You got in your steps for the yeah. day. You got your steps for the day. Yeah, put your put your fit. Yeah, I guess the the That's one right. saving grace of it perhaps is that. Um, even from a little bit of that, like that distance perspective, where you feel like you're not right there interfacing with the students, um, one of the the gifts of leadership is that um, leaders are so watched. Um, in every interaction, a leader is either affirming or seeking to alter the culture of the school. And so, even if it's in a business meeting off campus, or if it's in a meeting with parents disconnected from students, every interaction that a leader has is an opportunity to affirm or alter a culture that will really help kids thrive. And um, and so many of the effects that leaders have are these indirect effects, but they are powerful. So, Patrick, let's let's talk about um, that that sort of change mantra um, um, that know people have at least an, an emotional reaction, right? What, is, what does this mean for me? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd love to maybe shift the conversation a little bit to um, the notion of value proposition. When I'm thinking about being a teacher in an independent school, or I'm thinking about being a leader in an independent school, um, what, would, what would your response be to that person who says, What's in it for me, right? What's the, what, what's this mean for me? What is the value proposition of choosing an independent school that I'm going that I'm that I'm that I'm going to find there versus a public school? You clearly have had a personal experience where your independent school experience was profound, um, unique, and rich. Um, uh, I would assume that most teachers um, find there's real value and power and richness in teaching an independent school, but you've been seeing these cohorts come through your program. Um, and clearly you know, and are feeling and even instructing around a certain value proposition for teaching professionals or leaders. Um, what, what, what's, what do you think that that value proposition is? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. I, I think that, um, one of the, one of the, key value propositions of an independent school is is the nature of having a purposefully chosen community. And that brings with it so much. Everyone is choosing to be a part of this community. And they're choosing it for, for very different reasons, but there's something at the core of the school that they see the value in. And so they are investing their resources, they're investing their time, they're investing, uh, you know, their most precious, um, you know, uh, relationships, you know, their, their children into the school community. And with that comes the hope and the prospect for so much collaboration and so much um, innovation, right? You have a community that is committed and dedicated um, and it's on purpose. And, right. you know, right. I think, you know, there are a lot of value propositions to the independent school community, but so many stem from that uh, simple reality. We are choosing to be yeah. here. We believe in this school and what it will do for our our children. And as a result of that, then you set in motion something from that from the kind of the organizational theory literature um, suggests um, is kind of the, the, the most kind of powerful influencer of, um, of kind of effectiveness or what we could say success in life. And that is the intergenerational transfer of social capital, right? So yeah. in, in some ways, yeah. what really sets us ahead, yes, is our knowledge and our skills and our dispositions. But really in, in, in the world... Networks are so important and understanding from one generation to, to the next, this kind of handoff of all that I've learned, all that I've kind of amassed in terms of my social capital and not just from parent to child, but across from 
the entire kind of parent base to the entire child base, that there are all these linkages from your parents to my students and to, you know, your, your friends and all of that. It's such a powerful influence on what we're able to accomplish in life. And I think that is set in motion by having this purposely chosen community. And that gives the independent school uh, schools such, uh, such a powerful value proposition. You know, I, I was talking to a, a colleague um, about two weeks ago at a conference, and we, the, this notion of value proposition came up, and he was observing that a lot of African Americans come to his school, and they understand the, the priority of the school, they understand the, the history of the school. Um, he said, but more and more African Americans are coming, families are coming, and asking about the intentionality of the school. Mm. Um, do you have a director of social justice? Do you mm. have a director of diversity? So on and so forth. Uh, what does your curriculum look like? Mm. And these folks, I think to your point, Patrick, um, they're looking for that value add, something that they can, when they lay their head down on the pillow at night, they can say, I get this from country day X right. that I would not get from public school X. Right, right. And... It, it, you know, we're all humans. You know, we want to know that there is value in what we're doing, the decisions that we're making. And I see that as not just the example that I just you know, relayed with African-American families. I see that as knowing your mission, sticking to your mission, and then understanding that what you are putting out there is of value to all of your family. So um, I sometimes irk, you know, get a little prickly when I think about a niche. I don't think you have to be a niche school. I think you have to be a school that's true to its mission, right. and and then understand uh, the changing landscape and modify. But modify doesn't necessarily mean you become something that serves everybody all the time, every day. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And there to to, so, that, to that point, you know, there there are so many different ways that people can live out the same set of values. Right. And so to understand, like you were saying, like the school has a mission and a vision and a set of core values. But the way different people will experience that and want to see that lived out are very different and very diverse. Right. And so therefore mm -hmm. leaders has to understand that, oh, you actually hold the same value as this other family. It's just you perceive it or live it out in a different way, depending on kind of your kind of your frame, the way you see and experience the world. Right. So, Patrick, I know that um, I know that we're running short on time, um, but I do uh, want to have you um, be able to share with us and or participate in the way that we have chosen to end episode or sorry um, seasons, uh, season number two, um, and all of our episodes in season number two. Um, we do this thing called start, stop, continue, and it's a um, it's an exercise that a lot of consultants use, um, uh, whether they're facilitating groups um, uh, or they are working with uh, with teams uh, along various stages of projects and so on. But it's a it's essentially, what do you want independent schools to start doing, stop doing, and continue doing? Um, and I, you know, Art and I invite you to, you know, offer up one or two um, things. Or items underneath each one of those headings. Um, for me, I know that one of the things that has been um, kind of a pet peeve of mine, um, having been someone uh, who's been in a K-12, a K-8, and, um, and now a 9-12, um, I would love for independent schools to stop um, setting themselves up to be many versions of the division after them. Right, so I remember being in my first K eight. So much of the middle school was just being a mini upper school, mm. right? And mm. so much of what I think nine twelves do are just try to be mini colleges, um, right. as opposed right. to being discrete divisions unto themselves. And um, uh, and so I I I think that if I were king of the world, I would love to see independent schools to really value um, being present and allowing students to be present in that specific space and time 
Granted, you've got to get them prepared for the next stage. I don't, I don't disagree with that. But I, I think that the preparation for the next stage is being really, really good at the current stage. Right. Uh, right. So right. that would I be agree. one of the things that I would want schools to stop doing. Uh, Art, what about you? What, what, what's one of the things that you would like to see an independent school start doing, stop doing, or continue doing? So, um, so I want, I want independent schools to start recruiting right out of undergrad. Just just set up a process, a pipeline, and we understand, we know that there's talent out there across, you know, Division One schools, Division Three schools, liberal arts schools. It, it, there's all mm. sorts of talent. Um, so start recruiting that pipeline immediately and stop requiring everybody's looking for the six to ten years of experience, the three to five years of experience. It, it, Stop doing that because we're all, we're, I believe, we honestly believe we're choking each other out because those teachers are few and far between. Um, yeah. we, can, we can build a, 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 an excellent teacher. We all had to get a start someplace, right? Uh, my uncle used to say, it's like, well, I mean, they got their PhD for someplace, right? So, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, huh, somebody had to give them a PhD, but um, right. and so I think that I would I would want schools to continue supporting teachers regardless of what they're doing. And it sounds like Patrick, you Got you it. received that support when you started out in that almost kind of little red schoolhouse environment, and here you were, not, maybe not knowing a lesson plan from um, you know from a <laughs> curriculum guide from yeah. a, a, a you know a grid. Yeah. But you had people around you who were going to almost use a Quaker term, kind of love you into the light. Yeah. And so that's, I think that's what I would love to see Star Stop continue on, on, on my end. Mm. Okay. Uh, yeah. Patrick, how about you? What, do you? what would you like to see independent schools start doing, stop doing, continue doing? Um, you know, I think I'd love to pick up on some themes that the two of you have thrown out uh, and take, Andre, what you said kind of to the, um, you know, to the, next kind of educational level, which would be universities, right? To It would be wonderful if we could stop letting universities essentially communicate what is important, right? What matters. Um, universities have become so hyper-competitive, and we have just brilliant students here, right? But um, in some in some cases, without that sense of of who they are, you know, as a, as a person, as a learner, as a thinker, as a member of a community. And, and kind of to your point, at those formative years in lower school, middle school, upper school, right, we could be focusing on really developing and educating students, you know, their hearts, their souls, and their minds, um, and not mm. looking at kind of what college you get into as the standard of of success and what it means to be educated, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. to kind of, you know, tur- turn the tables and, and let universities say, here's what we think uh, is valuable, and this is what we're going to do. And so, you know, admission standards and criteria need to change to look at those mm-hmm. to be much more holistic than they often can be. Um, so I would say to kind of stop th- seeing, um, you know, what you're doing is of any less value than what universities do and to see kind of the gold standard is not what college you get into but who you go to college as how much you know yourself right you know what part of a community right. you've been a part of um and so then i would say that that kind of leads into a start would be just start making every decision uh at schools around programs and about um people just from a perspective of uh, of trust in in who we are and what we're doing and to not be afraid um, of, of, of what might happen or what, what colleges, what universities might think. Um, and then with the continue, um, kind of to my my experience, I think was, was so unique. I love that, um, you know, phrase kind of being loved into the light, but to continue to find ways of bringing faculty together to collaborate to communicate, to be in each other's space um, so that you have these optimal teams of folks, as you're saying, right out of undergrad, 
right? And then some veterans and and folks all the way in between. I think the more diverse teams at every grade level and content area we could have, the the richer and robust, uh, you know, our programs will be. So continue to be willing to hire folks with no teaching experience who know their content, who have wonderful pedagogical skills, but might be thin on their content, but really know how to connect with kids and bring these folks together and find ways of organizing your time and your days to support this kind of communication, collegiality, collaboration that's really going to mm-hmm. help move move the school uh, forward. Yeah, agreed. Love it. So, Patrick, in closing, uh, um, tell uh, tell folks where they can find out more information ab- uh, about your program, about the program at Vanderbilt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Folks can can hop on our website at Vanderbilt uh, uh, and then at Peabody College, um, the Independent School Leadership. So it would just be uh, vu.edu slash ISL for Independent School Leadership. We've got plenty of information there um, about the program, the structure, uh, the format, the faculty, the the topics. There's a video that gives kind of students' perspective on it. Um, Folks can reach out to me uh, via um, email and would set them up with uh, current students or alumni to learn, you know, more about the the experience. Um, but uh, you know, we're just getting, you know getting ready to head into our seventh year, so we're still young uh, and and kind of hungry. We okay. we really uh, collect a lot of data from students every summer. And I was just meeting with faculty yeah. last year about all the ways we want to take what's a great program and try to this summer make it even better. Right. So we're constantly yeah. kind of improving, iterating, and would love to get you know, just a whole new crop of folks in with us to help us kind of co-create this thing together because we all collectively care so much about the independent school community, as do you guys. So, I mean, thank you so much for this work, man. Just keep it up, y'all. Thank you. Well, we're grateful to you as well, my friend. Um, You know, we are are partners in the work for sure. Um, You know, we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't love independent schools um, and 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 see the value proposition and live it ourselves. Um, yes. We just want to make sure that we put those good stories out there, those good programs out there, and make sure people can connect with good people out there like yourself. There we go. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. All right. Well, this has been another episode of the Straight A's Podcast. Everybody, thank you so much for, for tuning in. Thank you so much for subscribing, and thank you so much for liking. We'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, take care. All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks, Andre and Art. The Straight A's Podcast is a production of In-Depth Media. Be sure to follow us on social media and subscribe to Straight A's Pod wherever you receive your podcast content. Thanks for listening.